passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. God almighty, what the hell is Lesnar doing? Anything he wants. Lesnar's lifted up the ring with God. Reigns in it for the damn tractor. Reigns falls out of the entire ring. This is one of the damnedest things I've ever seen I've in my life. I've never seen anything like this, ever. Brock Lesnar just lifted the ring 15 feet off the ground with a damn tractor. And the champion... Hello and welcome to our SummerSlam post show. I am John Pollock alongside Mr. Waiting, representing Giant Baba here on this late Saturday night as we are about to turn into Sunday. How are you, Way? Doing pretty well, John. How are you? I, I am doing great. Um, this is a later start than I expected. I was uh, we, we did not get our sub 15-minute Brock Lesnar match. No, he decided <clears throat> to have the longest singles match I think he's had since he beat the streak of The Undertaker. How long was this main event? It was over 22. It was almost 23 minutes. Oh, wow. So, well, on the, Certainly on the higher end of uh, Brock Lesnar matches, uh, but we will get to that. Uh, right off the top, just a note for the post show. Uh, I will be here for the entire review of the show, uh, but then Way is going to be handling the calls and feedback. Uh, my reasoning is that I have to wake up in about five and a half hours, and I... There, there's only so much that I can uh, push. I've got a, a pretty slam day on Sunday, but uh, regardless, Way has you all covered for the feedback and the calls at the end of the show. But we are going to have an extensive review of SummerSlam 2022, which I would say, Way, going in, this was certainly met with heightened curiosity that this would be the unofficial, if not official, start of the the new regime of WWE. And this definitely felt like that kind of planting your flag and cementing, you know, certain changes and, and people viewing it and more importantly, receiving it as such. There was one particular angle and segment that I would say felt very, you know, indicative of a new regime and triple H and his fingerprints in particular. Uh, the rest of it, 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 we can discuss throughout the show of, of whether or not, you know, we felt like things were changed specifically with this new regime or if they were just simply remnants of what was already in place with Vince around. Um, I think that there's certain elements of this that will be assigned um, credit to Paul Levesque that very easily could have happened regardless. And hmm. th and that is, I think, what you're going to see is that there is an overall optimism that I think Paul Levesque benefits from here, whether that's that's deserved or not. That's the result of this change. I think people are very um, when things are good. We're going to give it give credit to Triple H when things are bad. We're going to blame it on Vince. Well, and I think in a larger sense, like that does tell you about 
a longer discontent that fans have had that they are going to assign the bad, even if it's not necessarily warranted. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was something brought up in TNA at times. I remember Dixie Carter once stating the fact that when uh, people would chant fire Russo and there were some segments that like Russo didn't have anything to do with. But that's where they assigned it because they attached that to uh, a negative connotation. So, uh, you know, Paul Levesque is coming in and I think he is he is coming with a lot of goodwill and that's even after like the uh the problems that he had at the end with nxt and you know over time they will be deserved or not but you know Mm -hmm. going into this like he is looked upon as the person that that represents the the optimistic wwe fan that that wants to see a product that they enjoy on a routine basis he represents change you know and i think for people that that saw his um audition so to speak with uh, nxt black and gold and the the subsequent uh I would say a negative, uh, you know, response to the rebranding of NXT once he was uh, taken away. Fan logic can't help but associate Triple H with good and Vince McMahon with bad. Um, and going into this particular show, I'm, I'm sure he would look. He was looking to prove that, you know, to, to it, it was incredibly important for him to have this show be good and not just good, but perhaps great. Uh, before we just get into the review, uh, I'll probably write something about this in the next day or two. But uh, Blackjack Brown, who was, you know, a really well-known uh, wrestling photographer and writer um, through many, many years. He's someone that, you know, especially going back to older WWF shows that you would certainly recognize. Uh, he passed away on Friday. A lot of different people, especially in the Northeast, uh, you know, re- uh, recognizing his contributions seem to be very well connected with a lot of different people. So I just want to mention that uh, off the top of uh, of his passing. Uh, but we go into SummerSlam and um, the the pre-show I pretty much just had on the background. The, the panel was on there. Um, Titus O'Neil came out and uh, I was going to think, well, that didn't go so well a few weeks ago, but uh, let's try this. But uh, this time he was out just for uh, a bunch of presentations to different organizations. Uh, the Edge vignette ran just stating, I am coming tonight. And mm-hmm. that was that was the pre-show. My my favorite part now of these pre-shows, when it's especially a, a big stadium show, is at the end of the pre-show, there had to have been top six people that stuck around in the background to watch the tail end of this preview show. And it was just a deserted landscape because they're set outside to do the panel. And it was just the most depressing visual of like six fans that had stuck around to watch the end of this panel as everyone had gone to take their seats. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, the, the explanation is that people are in the building. So therefore, um, the, party's on, the party's on the on the Peacock Network. So what are you still doing here? Make sure That's you order it. right now. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was only significant because we got the reveal of the Edge um, yes. a- arrival here. As far as I know, this was the first time you got to see it tonight. Was Edge? Yeah, we we, we only got to see "I Am Coming to" on mm-hmm. TV. So if we had get, gotten to see the whole word, what would it have read on on Monday? "I Am Coming Tonight" plus five days. I don't think you would have gotten to see it. Oh, okay. So he was um, just mid sentence. He hadn't written out at all. He's like. I am coming tonight? Question mark. Tomorrow? Question mark. What he was that going to leave you hanging there. You know, what, so. he was going to write one letter a day in N I G H T until we got to Saturday. Yes. yes, we'll spend lots of time talking about Edge. And the video uh, opened up with a uh, Jason Aldean with Crazy Town, which included the uh, someone scripted putting top shelf smiles onto top shelf faces. 
Uh, but to top these charts, you're going to need to be the last man standing. And that was our opening up of uh, SummerSlam here with uh, th- this attendance was, was quite something. So the last figure that WrestleTix reported this afternoon was uh, just over uh, 38,300. We started off the show at over four, about, it was like over 40,000 people. And then at one point, Michael Cole just grew it to over 45,000. And then uh, Mayor Kane informed us it was uh, 48,000 and change. So it was, a, it seemed like it was a progressively growing number throughout these uh, three hours of this broadcast. Do we expect anything, you know, less, of course? Well, we're, we're, some (laughs) things will certainly bleed through to the new administration. Yeah. Well, we will get a real number at some point, won't we, for this show? Uh, This one, we we probably will, yeah. And it should be around, like, the 40 mark looks to be where they were at. That's why when they were stating at the beginning, over 40,000, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty on top of uh, kind of where where things were reported at. But Mm -hmm. anyway. um, And and for comparison's sake, the NFL – capacity wise for an nfl game this holds 60 60 something almost 70 for an wow. nfl game and if you know like on the hard camera side like there were the, there were brief glimpses where you could see that part was pretty much all like empties and tape and they just didn't shoot that side of the stadium mm-hmm. and you didn't see it but overall like they shot it where you would have thought this thing is just full it looked full on camera so i guess they you know couldn't sell it, it was the, the side that, that you good. weren't that you were seeing like from your perspective hmm. So to open up the show was Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship, noting Belair is here in her home state and all of the history going back to last year's SummerSlam where she lost to Becky, the returning Becky, after they promoted Sasha Banks right up until the minute the match was to begin. Mm -hmm. So it begins and they go to the floor and Belair goes for a KOD onto the barricade, but Becky snaps Belair's arm over the barricade and lands a leg drop and would focus on Belair's left arm throughout the rest of the match. And Belair's defending an arm bar. Uh, Belair catches her and double underhooks and slams Becky onto the edge of the apron. But Becky grabs her by the braid and pulls Belair uh, shoulder first, uh, ends up going into the post. Belair then rolls through on a cross body. Becky escapes and Becky busts out the diamond dust tribute to uh, mm-hmm. Masato Tanaka here on the, in this opener. Belair then tries for the KOD and Becky holds the rope and rolls into a disarmor. Belair fights it, maneuvers out and then takes Becky on her shoulders, landing the KOD on the floor with one arm. She tries to get Becky into the ring. She can't do it, but Becky beats the count and she hits a follow up KOD. Becky lands on her feet, spine buster to Becky, and then Belair gets yanked off the top by her braid into a manhandle slam. I thought that was a really clever spot for a two count. And then she goes for the manhandle off the turnbuckle, but it's counted countered with a one-woman span fly by Belair into the KOD and pins Becky Lynch in 15 minutes and 11 seconds. Uh, there's lots to talk about with the post-match angles, but I thought this was a great opener. I, I thought these two were just, everything was on. They they hit everything in this match, and I I would argue like this this might be the, the best match that they have had. I think it's, you know, the WrestleMania match had so much of the, uh, the, the entrances, the whole presentation, and they had a great match. Um, but I, I really enjoyed this one a lot. I did too. Uh, I thought it was not just a fantastic opener, but also a great match. And I thought these two were able to continue that wonderful chemistry that they showed with each other at WrestleMania. It was much like that Mania match. Um, it was a match that was full of like very well-designed sequences, full of counters, all of it very well executed. And in this case, good psychology centered around Bianca's shoulder in the setup for the Disarmor, of course. 
And I thought a pretty spectacular finish uh, with that Spanish fly into that KOD. I maybe felt it was a little less like a little less impressive than perhaps the mania match. And maybe that's already because my, my expectations are that much higher, you know, this time around that maybe the shock and, and sort of like the atmosphere of seeing these two in a big stadium, having a great match um, was, you know, already expected so, to me, but nonetheless, they delivered. I thought this was an extremely worthy sequel. And this kind of had also the added feeling of like, being a wrap-up to their year-long feud this has been one year in the making this particular moment and that closing moment of the hug between these two actually felt kind of cathartic yeah i thought this one like maybe i give some extra to this one because wrestlemania had the chase of bianca getting the title and Mm -hmm. and and winning it like it was this big crowning achievement and in this one i think a lot of people assume belair would retain would retain the title so you you didn't have that same dynamic of her getting the big win this was her defending the title as well but you know Mm -hmm. i I think two really stellar matches that they've had this year on two Mm -hmm. of the biggest shows of the year and then as way mentioned becky offers her hand and belair's reluctant but they shake hands and they hug and this looked to be the the becky turn like that's what it felt like i I don't think this should just be kind of this was an in the moment because then they shot this angle after that certainly suggests Becky is coming out of this as a baby face. We it looks like we have ended the uh, Becky Lynch heel run. You got your year as this character, Becky, and she she was very good, but she's a better baby face. More importantly, you got your two big stadium main events with Bianca Belair with a worthy opponent for Bianca Belair and coming out of it, Bianca Belair won both of those big matches. She is a much bigger star coming out of this feud. Becky Lynch, I think has exceeded all of her expectations when, you know, it came time for, for her, for her to be announced as a heel. She's reinvented herself and continued to reinvent herself week after week. And I, I'm interested to see now as a babyface what elements of this sort of uh, big time Bex character that she retains. She can take a lot from this character mm-hmm. and it will work as a, as a baby face. Yeah. So, Be- uh, Becky exits the ring and Belair is there celebrating when Bailey makes her return and she comes out and we should mention this aisle to walk to the ring was gigantic. Huge. It was yeah. like it was like a two minute walk for these people to make it to the ring. So it's a long walk for mm-hmm. all like I-, I would love to add up like the entrance times that we devoted on the on this broadcast. Um, it was just like like such a long walk. So Bailey comes out. She's only going like midway here, and she's yelling, "Do you remember me?" And as she's standing there, she is followed by the returning Dakota Kai, who comes out. And then, if that's not enough, we get Io Shirai, who Jimmy Smith first does identify as Io Shirai, but it appears she is coming back as Io Sky, which will be her new name. And the three of them stand side by side, and then they enter the ring with Belair by herself when Becky returns, standing shoulder to shoulder with Belair. And we get Becky chants, and Becky's challenging them to bring it on, but the three stand down and leave. And this Raw women's division just got a gigantic injection of stories, of talent, and just we were talking about what's uh, Bianca going to do after this. And we were, suge- you know, they did the Alexa Bliss tease. Now, all of a sudden, Bel Air's got programs through next year. Um, there was just so much that came out of this. Um, mm-hmm. And 
you know, the call up of Shirai, the return of Kai. And this is probably one of the most positively received uh, segments of the entire show. Mm -hmm. This was the type of thing that I think you would have expected to see on the Raw after WrestleMania or, you know, the um, uh, New Year's Dash, you know, after a Wrestle Kingdom. Like this is sort of like the big move that a company would do to completely reinvigorate a division after telling your, you know, year long closing stories. In this case, they managed to do it at the end of this match on the pay-per-view in the first segment. Um, And, you know, rightfully so, maybe at the end of the culmination of the year long story that, you know, Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch and the women's division by extension, you know, has, has been telling this entire year. And in this case, I felt like the message was very clear. This was triple H letting us all know that he was now in charge. His biggest contributions, I would say, um, to like the main roster up until this point has been the cultivation of this women's division that he's developed, you know, from, from uh, like Paige and, and Emma to the to the four horse women on. Um, and this felt like this was his calling card being brought up to the main roster, complete with the person that nobody expected to return here in the in in somebody like Dakota Kai that they just released going as far as to bring her back not just onto raw in some no name role she is brought on to SummerSlam okay walking out after Bailey now the order of these walkouts i found very significant too because Bailey for sure is somebody that everybody recognizes she comes out gets the big pop Dakota Kai less so and i would say Io Shirai or Io Sky as well Less so. They didn't get the biggest reactions. But online, they got the biggest reactions. And coming out of this, they will get the biggest reactions. Because, again, they are very much, to me, representatives of the new regime of Triple H. Um, and, you know, Bailey really is, too. But hers hers was expected. The others were not. And to me, they were complete decisions that Vince McMahon would never have made. Do you like the EO Sky name change? I don't mind it. You know, everybody's going to get up in arms every single time we have a wrestler come up from uh, NXT over to the main roster to change name. At this point, I think we've we've come to expect it. We know that they want to control IP. I mean, maybe there's some instance here of them not really liking a Japanese name. I don't know. If it, I would imagine that Io Shirai herself had something to do with the, the choosing of this name. I I think you could do a whole lot worse than EO Sky. I think this, it actually is kind of cool. fine. Like you, you have the genius of the sky. So I yeah, like, you know it, it ties in with the. I, I had no issue with this. I'm I'm generally not as um, uh, averse to a lot. Like some of the names are just completely goofy, but they're just like we we get used to them so quickly. So there's I'm, nothing I'm not, wrong with EO Sky. On top of this, they are making a point of capitalizing this name so that when you write it. It has to be capital I-Y-O space capital S-K-Y. The same way you have to capitalize Kenta. The same way you have to capitalize, uh, you know, like I guess Walter, you know, at one time or um, uh, evil, you know, like they're keeping that tradition. And you know what? That just makes it cooler for some reason. So you, you just kind of give me that little like weirdness about it. And I'm, I'm all in. Capitals, I'm fine for my formatting. Mansoor and uh, and Massey, <laughs> those dude, I literally have to go Google them and then copy and yeah. paste them when I'm using when I'm writing their names for stories. So the three, um, yeah. So th- this ended the segment. Th- this was like a great um, reminder of you know a show like this. You start off by giving the audience something great. Mm-hmm. It's like 
they were in a great mood from the beginning. And I think that really transferred to other stuff on the show that maybe it, it could have gone either way. But I think you started off where it was a glass half full type of response that the crowd was going to have. I was ready like to brew a, like a whole pot of coffee, you know, after this first match for the rest of the show. And I, I didn't exactly need it because like my energy was, was way up after this first segment. And, and like you mentioned, John, completely reinvigorates the Raw Women's Division. Now you have Becky Lynch. Think and of the matches Blair. that you've got just with like Shirai, like between these the... five, any of these five that we saw in the last segment with ba- mm-hmm. Becky on the baby face side of things. Now we got a hot new faction and we have a hot new tag team on the baby face side and Belair and, 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 and Bianca can, you know, incorporate another baby face to rise them up potentially to their level. Yeah, like like Shirai to me was like the top of the list and mm-hmm. the amount uh, of matches that, that she can have and sustainable ones as well that that are that you hope like like pairing with Asuka, stuff with Charlotte. Yeah. Like there's there's oh, just God. all these new yeah. ways of where you can go. And Bel Air has just just it's tremendous now the the potential that you have and, and a story that links it all to uh that you have to explain now with Bailey, like how she recruited these two. There's all these great options that you have part of me wondered if like you know when especially when it was three on one with bel-air alone part of me wondered if like this would have been a place for sasha and naomi if they like i i I have no idea like where talks are well you know as far as that goes but i i wondered if the audience was thinking the same thing too but I, i i don't think like i don't think anybody was disappointed that those two didn't show up you know after this I'll tell you, like, that would have been kind of like that. this kind of segment was designed to get that kind of reaction from people. And it would be a natural that you would want those two in that role that would, you know, a- accomplish the same message. Um, and and, you know, we'll, we'll see if they can like that is the ultimate kind of fan service move is you reconcile things with those two and mm. they come back and they are like that really is a sign of things are going to be done differently. And these two are representative of that by being on the inside and not on the outside. Uh, they plug Clash at the Castle, which will have a one Eastern start time on September the 3rd. So a Saturday afternoon start time. And that would be uh, 10 a.m. on the West Coast. An early one. An early Saturday Pretty early. But that's, that's like F1 time. Yes. You know? uh, are you watching the Grand Prix tomorrow? I'll watch a little bit of it, yeah. I'll, and I'll watch maybe the rest on delay, yeah. Yeah, t- tomorrow's not going to happen for me with, with the Grand Prix, but I will, crazy, I will record it. Crazy qualifying results. Yeah, yeah, man. George Russell. Yeah, George Russell. After, like, Nicholas Latifi actually got the best lap time in the in the practice, which is super weird. And then he ended up 20th. Yeah, he finished 20th. Yeah, yeah. So it's super weird. The Miz and Logan Paul was second. So Miz comes out with Maurice and Ciampa. They're in green and black outfits. And Miz is wearing his own collectible card, uh, mocking the, the Pokemon card that Logan Paul wore at WrestleMania and the telling Polaroid. everyone it's it's one of one. Was this a Polaroid? Okay. Yeah, uh, a Polaroid in the case. Yeah. There's a chant of tiny balls at the beginning. And Miz now has his new gear that's all filled with my balls are massive name tags. So he redid his whole wardrobe built around his balls. Oh, you know, we got like we got the um uh the Alex Riley phase, we got the Mizdow phase, we got the now we got the balls slash chompa phase. Yeah. Miz uh does this spot where he goes to kick Logan, who uh, did, did you see the Jake Paul fight got canceled next weekend? I didn't. Wow, really? 
There was a, they put out an announcement tonight right before SummerSlam started that the fight is off, that th- this is from Jake Paul's side. His management put out a press release that Haseem Rahman has had they, they were supposed to fight at 200 pounds. And then Rahman allegedly stated he was going to fight at 215 pounds. And if they would not take that, he wouldn't take the fight. And they were not going to um, they, they were not going to go for that. He had uh, uh, Jake apparently would go to 205, but not to 215. So they called it right off, which is definitely going to bring up questions like how how was this fight doing like ticket wise mm-hmm. and such is I think that's going to be a natural follow up question. But at least from the Jake Paul side, it's over this weight issue. But the fight is off for next Saturday, which uh, we were actually going to have a post show for on on the site, but not going to happen. Right. Yes, we were. So wow. anyway, that's the latest on the Jake Paul front. But um so Logan comes back, he does a takedown fireman's carry spot, and then he does the same spot where Miz tries to shield himself, and then Logan just playfully kicks him in the head. And th- throughout the beginning of this, like, Logan Paul, he is a great athlete, and you can mm-hmm. certainly see, like, athletically, he can pull off, like, a lot of stuff. Like, he's not going to be the most seasoned guy, but he can do a lot of athletic things. But I felt for, like, three quarters of this match, this audience, it's like, we will boo the Miz, but we are not reacting to this guy. And it was just, it felt exactly as we discussed in our preview that it was going to be indifference towards Logan Paul. And it was just, to, to me, it was like this guy was just going to go and go and go until he could win over this crowd. And I mean, this guy did a moonsault off of the apron. Uh, Ciampa got involved at one point and was caught by the ref who rejected him, or sorry, rejected, ejected him. And Champa refuses to leave, so AJ Styles' music hits, and just knowing where, how long that rundown was, it wasn't surprising that AJ came through the crowd and attacked, attacked Champa and fought him out. So that was AJ Styles' big uh, SummerSlam uh, c- contribution was ridding the match of uh, Champa. So then Logan Paul does his version of the phenomenal forearm, which Graves says, "I wouldn't call that phenomenal." It was a pretty good forearm, but it was a <laughs> pretty good forearm. Graves is not going to put this thing over. And then Miz gets placed onto the announcer's desk. And this is where Logan Paul won everyone over because he hit this incredible frog splash off the top, putting Miz through the table. And at that point, this audience was like, we don't want to like really cheer this guy. But that was a tremendous spot. And he pulled it off. And they got the crowd at this point. Maurice distracts the referee from counting. Miz takes his Polaroid and almost hits Maurice. I guess this was a a very dangerous object that this card could have rendered Maurice oh, I mean, unconscious. It's a, it's a glass or plastic case. They might have been studded with jewels, you know, bedazzled, you know, sharp corners. Well, yeah. he pulls up. He doesn't hit Maurice, and instead Logan Paul hits Miz with the skull-crushing finale in win and wins the match in 14 minutes and 16 seconds. I'm not going to say that this guy uh, proved to everyone that, like, yeah, he's a he's an awesome babyface, but listen, he got to where um, that they wanted by the end, and this was a spectacular spot that they had at the end, and he pulled it off really well. Considering, I think the great deficit that he was fighting against by being positioned as a baby face against the Miz and then ending with this reaction for the finish. It was, I would say, I would say he did really well. 
you know, I, I, I was very impressed um, coming out of this and going into the match. We were wondering, well, what 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 were they going to do to cater the crowd reaction towards Logan Paul? What sort of angle would they shoot beforehand? What sort of promo with the Miz cut on the hometown crowd to favor the crowd towards Logan Paul? Nothing. They did nothing. All they relied on was Logan Paul's performance. And this guy did that. You can make the argument, yeah, like in his case, in Pat McAfee's case, in in what is it, uh, Bad Bunny's cases, they're going to allow them to do everything they can. They're going to give them a ton of impressive looking spots, Canadian destroyers all around, you know, like do as many flips as you want. As long as you get over and as long as you get on the highlight reel, it's okay. That's fine. Yes. But there still is required a great deal of, I think, talent. And, and I thought this guy showed that. Really? Like, and, and execution. Like, let's be honest. I know Pat McAfee's everyone's favorites. Like, he had a lot of misses in, the, in that match. He mm-hmm. was not as smooth this time around. Yeah. And on top of that, I, I mean, this was obviously, you know, the longest we've seen Logan Paul wrestle. Uh, he he only had himself to rely on, on, on at least one side. And then, you know, beyond the moves, I thought, like, the selling in what little capacity I, we kind of got to see of it, I thought was decent. Certainly his charisma is way up there and that comes from i think you know years being in the spotlight just the general comfort in front of cameras and in front of large crowds he has that um he's still very much fighting against you know i think what the intended crowd audience uh, like reaction for him is but i thought he did so much here that like he earned my respect and i would say probably the audiences or at least a good portion of the audiences as well by the end of it so I would say it was a big win for him. And the Miz, again, like as the heel, he he just, again, proves why he's so valuable to the company in these sort of roles because he provides the perfect canvas for a guy like a Logan Paul to showcase his stuff, for any baby face that's over to showcase their stuff. So does that change where you would like to see Logan Paul continue? Because this comes out of it like he is very much positioned as a baby face and it looks like they will continue with this. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, it's very much by his request from what I understand in, in wanting to be pushed as a babyface. And I think the story has to emphasize how impressive he was, how he, you know, shut shut up a lot of doubters. And he has to cut some very good, fiery babyface pro- promos. We had some some people in our in our uh, YouTube comments. I put up like a, a clip of our Logan Paul discussion. And there were a lot of Logan Paul defenders and a, lo- a lot of Logan Paul fans out there. Who were uh, yeah, and I thank them for like trying to educate me that like over over the past little while Logan Paul has been like, you know, I don't know, somewhat of a changed person, like or at least um to to, to his audience, uh, and he's becoming uh, a a bit of a more of a baby face to his particular crowd. Nobody outside of his audience would know that. We still know him as the guy who visited that that forest in Japan and and you know has probably said like really terrible things in, in the public or at least like is associated with a brother who still seems very much like like a douchebag. So if there's going to be any hope of like getting the WWE audience to cheer for him as a babyface, they need to put that work in to educate the wrestling audience of well like please address some of this stuff. You know how exactly are you a changed person? Um, I, I also th- I also think you can be like a a, a regular uh, compassionate person and still play a role on television. I think I Kev- totally Kev- agree. Kevin totally Owens agree. is to me one of the most like thoughtful people out there, and he's one of the best heels in the company. I do- I don't think you have to. I don't know. To me, it's um it, it's it's what is best for your portrayal, and you come across as just a. You, on a scale of one to ten, you're a two as a baby face and like a nine as a heel. Mm-hmm. So I why, completely agree. why are we yeah. fighting this the, this tide? But they are clearly going with this. And let's be honest, like Logan Paul is not going to be a week to week character. I think we're going to be looking at him as like someone that is used, you know, 
I don't know, as rarely as, as Pat McAfee, but like, you know, similar, like it will be a special attraction type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Um, what do you expect to see him next? Um, well, Saudi Arabia is coming up in November. Um, that'll yeah, be a big show. I guess. I mean, so. I mean, maybe, maybe they'll use them in the, at the stadium show next month there in September. Maybe. Yeah. We had a brief maximum male model spot where they are thirsty and Maxine demands water. And this is just our ad for pure life water where they just poured water over each other. And it is the official water of maximum male models. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like, I didn't even know pure life was like, I was wondering if this is a real brand because like we get different labels. Like we have Nestle pure life here, but it's like the, the regular blue label. So I didn't know if this was like, Oh, is this like a made up thing? So no, it's, it's, it's a real thing. And they seem to only have like wrestling, like WWE spokespeople, you know, throughout the at least their their Twitter account. So I, I'm sure they would have loved this. I'm, I'm sure they did. Bobby Lashley against Theory for the United States Championship. Um, there was big pyro around the stadium for Lashley's entrance. And then Theory attacks him with the briefcase before the bell rings. Lashley lifts and slams him down, and then Theory grabs the case, and he's going to leave, but he's blocked by Lashley. They trade strikes. There's a leapfrog by Theory, causing Lashley to go into the corner, and then Theory rolls at Lashley, is caught in a military press, and turned into the hurt lock, and he submits Theory in four minutes and 44 seconds. Theory is uh, selling his neck, and, I mean, even the announcers are stating... You know, go go heal up. You've got a big night ahead of you. And this is all this needed to be. It didn't have to be long. And Theory, I mean, as long as he has this briefcase, they they believe that whoever holds that briefcase is bulletproof. That's not yeah. always the case. But, I mean, he did not need to win, though. So um, th- that was that. It was kind of a cold match. And it was, I mean, shorter than you would have even imagined these two would have got on television. I, I would say I, I had very little interest in the match, and and it went exactly as I think we all predicted. But I would say the the reaction to Bobby Lashley continues to be really strong, and as a babyface, you know, um, I, I think his babyface run in general has been very well received. And here you got a stadium sized version of it. So, to me, he's like very much on track to have a very significant role. Like when we're heading towards WrestleMania season, I don't know how he figures into the plans at this point, but like. He's gaining the type of traction that I feel is is, is like positioning himself for like a, a title win, like show closing moment type of thing, you know? Do, do you think at all with, with Lashley that it's, you know, he's he's in this great run. Uh, do, mm-hmm. do you think the age scares them off at all? That no. how much how much we invest in a guy? Dude, that's, they're, they're using Goldberg like, you know, every you're, you're saying they it's, it's not they anymore. True. Yeah. But Lashley does not look old whatsoever. How old is he? I, I'm just, he's 45. And how old is Brock Lesnar right now? I think the same. 45. Okay. They're about the same age. And you know what? Um, oh, sorry. Bobby's, uh, he just turned 46. 46. Okay. Well, listen, I think if you are. Um, like, like being the, the the alternative way, being like a Cody Rhodes. Okay. It's like, you're looking like who is going to be our big guy that we're building right. to something like mania time. Like the age is going to be, you know, uh, when you're weighing those two options, like that, yeah. that's going to come into effect. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe Cody might be your first choice in that case, but I, I think the more options you have, the better. And it doesn't mean that you don't, you wouldn't crown Bobby Lashley at, at, at a separate time. I'd see I'll him be- having a strong role. Yeah. I'll just say, like, if you look like um, 
Bobby Eaton, okay? And you're 45. I just say bring up Bobby Eaton because he was brought up on Rampage. And as an example of a guy who was very impressive in ring but didn't look hey, Chuck Taylor will take that as a compliment. And you <laughs> yeah. get compared to Bobby Eaton, that's that's a good thing. If you're Bobby Eaton at 45, you're probably not going to get as much of an opportunity as you do um, looking like Bobby Lashley at 45. Different Bobbies, certainly, yeah. in physiques. Yeah. Uh, they they ran a, an ad for the, the Kurt Angle A&E doc, which I imagine is going to be very good. Kurt yeah. Kurt is very honest and upfront about all his his problems, and it's it's an incredible story. So I imagine that'll be a very good um, a- A&E doc. I've, I've seen a few of them. Um, I didn't see any of the ones last week, but... Um, yeah, I'm, I'll try and see that one at some point. Finn Balor and Damian Priest uh, with Rhea Ripley come out, and they are taking on Ray and Dominic, who are representing Hulk Hogan, I guess, in the red and yellow. Uh, yeah, I thought we would get Halloween Havoc 97 here, you know, with we the two of them. But No, no, we got... Um, was maybe, Hogan uh, on that show? Uh, yeah, he was. Okay, well, <laughs> maybe <laughs> different tribute. <laughs> uh, it's a no-DQ match, Uh Dominic does a dive through Ray's legs onto the floor and then Ray with an acai moonsault off the top. And at the beginning, everyone was kind of uh, respecting the tag rules in this no DQ scenario. They got the heat on Dominic. The crowd's chanting for tables. Uh, Ray comes in, quebrada onto Damian Priest and then a seated senton. And then Ray took a chair. And this is our first use of a weapon in the no DQ match. And he does his sliding splash on the chair, landing on Balor on the floor. Balor then stops a 619 attempt. Shotgun drop kicks Ray into the corner. And as he's going for the coup de grace, Dom stops things. And it leads to Ray hitting a top rope Hurricane Rana. Uh, Priest is in for the save. And then the Mysterios line up both for a double 619. But Rhea Ripley, the muscle, trips both Mysterios and then lifts Dom onto her shoulders and dumps him down. I want to see the Dominic Rhea Ripley match. They are clearly hinting this after Raw and then tonight. I want to see Rhea Ripley versus like she's the muscle of a group, and I'm loving it. Like it's she's dude. This women's division has like a lot of pieces to it. Definitely, you're right, especially on Raw. Yeah, but you know, I I almost get the sense they're taking Rhea Ripley Ripley out to to put her into this role as the muscle for the male tag team group. You know, it's it's she's like a modern version of China. Which yeah, yeah, I think that's probably what they're going for. Mm -hmm. So Priest hits the South of Heaven choke slam onto Ray. When the lights go out and we see fire surrounding the entrance area and uprises the latest version of Edge. And this is a kind of a very much brewed in its presentation. He comes up from this uh, this elevated stage and his new color scheme. He has ditched the black and purple. He is now black and red version of Adam Copeland. He is also... Uh, he he's like styled his hair differently now from the uh, the Judgment Day version. It's not a slick black, uh, slick back. He's grown the sides out. Yes, um, and I believe- uh, he's brought back the, the edge sunglasses. The edge sunglasses. I think he had like a lightning bolt or something on his uh, tights. Lightning bolt. Okay. Yeah. How, how do you think? Just look wise. What did you think about the presentation here? Because I think I think Edge certainly like of the mindset. I've got to reinvent myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but he's coming off a reinvention that was not well received. So yeah. this one is going to be, you know, I, I think Chris Jericho maybe doesn't always get the credit of like all the changes he has made that have been pretty seamless and successful. And, you know, we're, see, we're seeing Edge who had, you know, the, the historical version of Edge that could be very easy and you play the hits, but he's changed things up. And the last one was not a great hit. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, I give them a lot of credit for, like, thinking that way, you know, like, and, and a veteran, like, you would expect to, to, to have those instincts. But somebody who puts so much effort into pa- repackaging himself after every single sort of sort of hiatus, um, I feel like he's done the brood entrance one too many times since his return already. Like, he did it, I believe, didn't he do it, like, an, during the Orton feud? He did it at SummerSlam last year, I think. And then you know, and, he's, and he did it again. Yeah, it's it's a well he's kind of gone to a few too many times for this to to feel that unique and that different. And then he already cut his hair last time, so you don't necessarily have the shock factor of seeing him with the short hair again this time around. He so could have been bald. <laughs> could have, yeah. I mean, uh, he could have dyed his hair, you know, uh, green, red, red, red. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okada, a couple of balloons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so yeah I, I i for me like the the jury's still out on, on this reinvention because i i wait to see if there's a difference in his promo style in, in things beyond just you know the cosmetically but i would say yeah visually not as much of a shock as i think you know we we would have gotten if he didn't debut with the the hair during judgment day and and if he didn't use the brood entrance so much so he comes out um He's in this this red leather jacket with with uh, studs, and he just uh, get, gets involved here, and uh, all of a sudden we just get the ending here pretty quick because he spe- he boots Damian Priest in the aisle, and then spears Balor, spears Damian Priest, who makes his way back to the ring, and then a double six one nine on Finn Balor, and Ray pins him with the springboard splash in eleven minutes and eight seconds, and an edge left with the Mysterio. So. Presumably, this continues as sort of a like I don't know if you get another Judgment Day member in there or what another happens. one. Damn, who else? Who or else or, Do- or Dominic goes over. I mean, there's there's always that option too. Is but Dominic, the difference maker, maybe. But I would I, say it. Edge is linked with the Mysterios coming out of this. Yeah, certainly. Um, I don't know if I'd be begging to join Judgment Day if I was a wrestler at this point because as a heel tandem, they're proven to be pretty incompetent. You know, they just lose and lose and lose. They couldn't win on Monday. They couldn't win here on a pay-per-view. Um, they were better with Edge, weren't they? Well, Edge... Oh, wait, Edge did, took the loss. Edge took the pinfall, didn't he? No, Edge pinned... Who did he beat? It was... <laughs> didn't didn't they lose? <laughs> was this Money in the Bank? What was this? Edge Edge won, I feel, and then they, <laughs> they kicked him out. Okay, I got to look this up. Yeah, you got to pull up the result. Oh, good. I feel like Edge won, and they kicked them out of the group. Am I wrong? So this was this was two months ago now, so we're talking about hell in a cell here. Okay, I'm about to get the results here, everybody. Okay, the Judgment Day beat AJ Styles, Finn Balor, and Liv Morgan. All right, so they so they won, won and they won, and they kicked Edge out, <laughs> and then they so they were doing well, and then they kicked their leader out. <laughs> they pinned Finn Balor, and they were yeah, and then they the recruited Balor the next night. <laughs> now they just can't win. Again, this is a terrible so, strategy. Yeah, so I don't know if I'd be begging to join this uh, very, you know, poorly uh, devised heel faction. The Rhea Ripley is the but, strongest one. But imagine one Dominic as their mouthpiece, though. Well, they tied me right up. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Cole is in to call the next match with Corey Graves. It is Pat McAfee against Happy Corbin. And they played a video package Um going over the feud, but they also dedicated a portion to Pat McAfee's WrestleMania 38 uh, involvement. 
And this was a very creatively edited where Vince McMahon did not exist in any of this. And it was just highlights of McAfee with Austin Theory and then drinking beers with Steve Austin. But you did not see any events in this video package. And it was just like, I'm not stunned. I would have been surprised to have seen Vince. But to actually watch this and to know that they selectively edited around Vince McMahon. I mean, you just never thought you would reach this part where he has pretty much been erased that is quite amazing yeah this is the same treatment they've given to any you know x x number of people that have brought on negative pr to the company and now it is vince mcmahon himself who is getting that sort of treatment so do you know if he's like was he ever on the opening signature or, or or anything that that might be recurring like that to your knowledge I don't think he was in the opening signature. I feel like we would, we would have heard about it if like he was taken out of something like that. But yeah, yeah, that's it. That's really interesting. I mean, Monday told you everything. It's like Vince mm. McMahon left the company and he didn't even get like an on air. Thank you, Vince McMahon, for 40 plus years. Uh, even he got longer. it on Friday before he before got it on Friday, but he didn't get it on Monday. And yeah, that's before that's, the big the big story. That's really you know. significant on, on the show that you would most associate as like, you know, his his creation didn't even get a mention on, mm-hmm. on Raw. Like that tells you everything right there. Mm-hmm. So Corbin enters and he's coming out to his, his regular theme. And then it cuts to a choir that is singing bum ass Corbin. And I don't know if the well, obviously, I feel the intent here was to get the entire stadium to chant bum ass Corbin, uh, but I don't think one person followed suit here um, as they just uh, had this choir going. And then his music resumed and he finished his way to the ring uh, before Pat McAfee came out. White Stripes didn't get any royalty checks this time around. It was uh, Pat coming out to his his own theme. Well, if he's going to do this uh, more often, then, yeah, they might they might <laughs> want to save a bit of money on that on that White Stripes song. Yes. So the match starts with a super kick from McAfee and then a Rana off the turnbuckle before sending Corbin to the floor. Uh, Pat does a backflip off of the top, but then gets nailed with a drop kick and Corbin takes over. Michael Cole is noting that Corbin has been fighting at the top tier of WWE for years and years. This is a big test for Pat McAfee. Uh, Pat, uh, comes back and he goes for a Pescado that Corey Graves identifies as ugly, but effective. And then Pat gets laid out onto the announcer's desk and Corbin puts on the headset naming Pat McAfee's parents. And this just riles up Cole, who is screaming that Corbin's parents would be embarrassed. And these fans ringside are chanting Michael Cole. And Pat then uh, comes back later. He does this like the Shelton Benjamin where he leaps to the top, but he lands on his knees and he's got to like regain his footing to complete this superplex. And Cole's just, oh, he's he's got on his knees. And he did salvage it. What I have learned here is that Pat can be in the most um, awkward of positions. But, man, this this guy will complete the, the move. It might not look pretty, but he'll get it done at the end. Mm-hmm. So then we had the scariest moment where this dude looked like a guy that's had about 12 drinks at the end of the night that's just trying to walk out of the bar he's on top of the turnbuckle and he's like rickety he's going all over the place and he somehow gets enough stability to leap off the turnbuckle for a swanton this looks scary as hell the swanton bambini as it's been named 
Swan Tone Bambini. Okay, this is what yes. Michael Cole said he is calling it. This dude, he was he was very lucky. Like he was just he had yeah. no he did not have two stable legs underneath him. You know, I don't I don't know if like um, Pat McAfee is going to be in the video game. I would assume he is next year. I hope they animate this Swan Tone like complete with the teetering and his arms moving <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, I mean, for a guy that like stands a lot, I mean, you would think like he's. <laughs> You know, you think his balance would be great. Yeah, I thought he had like put on like skates or something here on the this top. I thought Pat the boring actually actually kind of helped. Like it it, may, it gave us a bit of context to to say that this is not a guy who usually does this. He's well, normally a commentator, and not everything is going to look super smooth. But well, I was yeah. worried this man was about to land on his head, so I was happy that he completed this. Pat avoids the end of days. Corbin knocks down Charles Robinson, and Pat kicks Corbin low as payback for the SmackDown, and then he hit. The world's worst Panama sunrise. If you, if this was a sunrise you saw, this is not a postcard that you're sending home. Okay. 10 minutes, 39 seconds. uh, He pins uh, Corbin. And then afterwards Graves tells him you were lucky. And he gives him the suck it sign. He claps hands here with Michael Cole. And then he has a beer ringside with some guy. Was he going for a Panama, like a Canadian destroyer, or was it supposed to be a code red? Because he, like, it, it definitely looked like he was, it ended up being no, a he very was, ugly was, code red. I mean, that that's essentially what it was. I Like, it was, the you know, the, the Adam Cole yeah, callback. Sunrise is, is like a, in front of the arms, in front of the shoulders. Anyway, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It did not look great. Um, and Dude, it, was, looked, it looked nothing close to great. It looked brutal. Yeah. It was definitely maybe the, the the ugliest Pat McAfee match we've seen of the what three that we've seen up, up until this point of like yeah 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 definitely um, this I will say this this was not worse than the Vince McMahon match oh yeah I'm not even including that well, <laughs> it, it was, it was technically worse. a match this was nowhere near that that that's in a whole different category uh, of bad but this was like it it was very rough. Um, people love Pat McAfee. It's not like the crowd was not into this. Um, mm-hmm. And with Pat, he's going to get more leeway. But I mean, this this was not smooth. I, I think you'd be crazy to camouflage it as such. It was not smooth. I will, however, though, like I do feel like crowd reaction trumps like how how pretty a match looks. Like you know, hardcore wrestling fans are the ones that are going to care most about how how flawless and how technical you know the, the moves look. But I think your general audience is just going to get excited about seeing this guy doing this stuff. And I, I well, well, I, well let's me, let's rewind though, okay? If Logan mm-hmm. Paul came up short on that splash and it was just a total mess, mm-hmm. would we be giving him points for for trying no. that? It's like it was the precision and the fact he hit it that gained him that that applause. So I totally. think we have to be fair when these are tried and they fail at the same well, time. Like agreed, but we should also be fair in in describing the crowd reactions that they. They each okay, came cer- into certainly. the match with Pat McAfee is somebody who already has the crowd. Everybody seems to love this guy. And he got, he, he, he had the, everybody engaged throughout the entire thing. And despite some ugly looking moves in this thing, crowd still went nuts for every single Like his matches are off. designed to be like a party. It's just yeah. like this guy, like he's, he's got some of the, the like the Sandman appeal to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, a significantly better athlete than the Sandman, but uh, nonetheless, it's like an audience that they just want to see like a video game with Pat McAfee as the star. Yeah, it is definitely a bizarre period we're in, where like celebrities, um, there are multiple celebrity matches on the show, and they're not bad. 
Like it's at the point now where like you can tell me uh, Pat McAfee versus Logan Paul is coming up on a pay-per-view and I wouldn't completely cringe at it. Like I'd be in fact a little bit curious um, in a non-ironic way about uh, that match actually being quite good because you would know that they would get a ton of help in putting it together. They would rehearse the hell out of it. And you're talking about very high level athletes who are taking wrestling training very seriously. So they they take it very seriously, but I I also feel that there's something to it being novel that you're not Mm -hmm. doing this every month that Mm -hmm. Pat McAfee doing two matches a year and it, and it feels special when he does it and and it works. You're not going to overstay that welcome at, at the same time. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, in the future, do you think we still get this sort of like double header with Pat McAfee and Logan Paul on the same show? Or do they continue to maybe split duties here and there? On WrestleMania, you would expect each of them having their being on. Well, a that's night. it. I think I think you reserve this for, for big shows. And yeah, yeah I, I could certainly see them yeah, being on on cards together. Yeah. Hmm. Drew McIntyre is introduced and he comes out. And he just notes that he lives here in Nashville, which is hilarious because he was doing all this promotion for the show because he's, he lives there and he's not even booked on the card. So he comes out and he states uh, like what a hard match it was with Sheamus, but he loves this. He calls out this fan in the front row. So everyone chants Colt at this fan. And he says the main event's going to be a battle. He doesn't care who wins. He's winning the titles at Clash at the Castle. And he raised the sword as the pyro went off for him. It wasn't the uh, the most wild pyro display, but uh, something went off. And that was it. I was glad they got him on this show because he is going to be such a major focus of your next show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They gave a lot of time for like the non-matches on this show. And um, do you find that as just a way to like give people presence or do you think that there is some sort of mandate to drag the show out a little bit longer beyond like the in-ring content? I I don't know if it's necessarily, they wanted to drag this out. I think that's just, it's kind of just the way the the show is structured with like so many of these video packages, some of which like they're tied to that they, that are that are just there. Um, Like they have all these, they would have put filler matches to pad the show out. Yeah. And I, I, I prefer this format to be quite Me honest, too. where it's like in, it feels like the matches have importance to them, and we're not just like loading this to get every last person on the card. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and with Drew McIntyre, like I think that's someone. This is a big show, and at least showcase him because this is your your big challenger next month. Mm-hmm. The Usos against the Street Profits for the tag titles with Jeff Jarrett coming out. Um, he he did not get the uh, the biggest pop of. <laughs> he kind of just no, came he out. didn't. It was just like it was it was like any other city. Like yeah. Not nothing wrong with it. Dude, for um you can look up his age. He looks in great shape. He is he has gotten yeah. ready for this weekend. Yeah, this dude works out. I, I I mean, so much respect for people who are able to stay in shape like that. It's you know, it's it's that referee shirt, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, that he's gotta wear everywhere he, looks he goes. Trim. He looks trim. Yeah. Yes. Are you gonna watch any of that show tomorrow night? The flare show? Oh man, the undercard looks good, but I really don't like. I don't want to be interested in the main event. You know, I might catch um catch uh, some highlights here and there on, on on Twitter, but that that might be the extent of it for me. You so, um, I'm I won't be watching it live because I got to be recording at, at that time, but I'll, I'll probably catch at least bits and pieces of it. Mm. Um, I thought the entrances here were, were really great, in particular the Street Profits. You had the Tennessee Titans cheerleaders come out, followed by the Profits, who were in the Titans colors. And this has felt like a cool entrance incorporating the uh, the cheerleaders. 
It was, yeah. I mean, anytime they they do this with the local stadium teams, um, you know, cheerleaders. Uh, it, the cheer it, the cheerleaders come like, as part of the uh, the building package. Yeah. So the, they have the advantage on Dawkins. It's a slow start until Ford gets the tag. And uh, Dawkins returns moments later with a Topicon hero into both Usos and hits a silencer on Jimmy for a two count. They did this double team spot where Dawkins hit a pounce to Jimmy, who went into midair and was caught with a German suplex by Ford. And Michael Cole keeps noting how Jared is always in the right position. He's calling it right down the middle and that Jared is being a great referee. Uh, Dawkins... Uh, is hit with several super kicks, including a double super kick and then an Uso splash, then a double one. And Ford makes the save. Jay then goes for a super kick missing Ford and nearly hits Jeff who catches the super kick. And we see uh, from the heavens delivered by Ford onto Jay, but he has a delayed cover. And when he finally gets on top, Jarrett counts two, and we get the kick out and Montez Ford cannot believe it. And for all the complaints sometimes of the quick cuts and the production, I thought the way they focused on Montez Ford and had his facial reactions in these last few minutes were really great and emphasized the story because he looked like he was just great in turn. Like he could not believe that Jarrett didn't count three and he starts complaining to him. And then Ford's uh, Ford's dive to the floor gets stopped when the Usos catch him with super kicks send him into the barricade and then they double team Dawkins with double super kick and the one D and that's where they pin Dawkins as Ford is too late to get back into the ring for the save. It goes 13 minutes and 23 seconds and it ends with the great visual of the Uso celebrating on the aisle and the profits are just sitting there in the ring looking so despondent. And I, I thought this turned out really well. I wouldn't say this was at the level of their last match, but for the story coming out of this, I thought in particular Montez Ford was great in this closing sequence and really kind of sets sets this up that this feels like this is the end of the Street Profits, um, or at least a uh, a major barrier in their continuation as as a team. Like this felt like it's game over. Hmm. I agree with you that I don't think this match exceeded the money in the bank match for me either. No. Um, and perhaps, you know, we've just kind of grown accustomed to a certain level and a certain high standard uh, for, for these, these two teams at this point. Um, I'm going to have to like, maybe get you to explain the, this, this closing angle a little bit more because I didn't really connect with me as much as, as it seemed to do with you because Ford was pissed off at the count, but it was a very normal count. So what what was he up Oh yeah, about? yeah, I didn't take it as though this was like a um like Ford was justified in his complaint. I think he was just more airing his frustration that he thought he had the pinfall, but he he he, but he kicked out like he couldn't beat him and I think he just took his frustration out on Jared and it was just the realization we can't beat this team. Got it. Okay. So like that's how I internal, interpreted it. Yeah. Like I didn't view this himself. this was not Jared being heelish in any way it was right. if anything it was montez ford coming across as you know, being the heelish one because i read it as him somehow being mad at Jarrett for not counting fast enough um but but maybe maybe your interpretation makes a bit more sense um but i'm very curious to see what happens coming out of the, the profits you know here um we thought that the turn was going to happen a lot sooner than than this and it didn't this time around, after SummerSlam, I don't know how much further they can really go with this feud. So maybe we finally get it. 
Yeah, it'll be very interesting because Montez Ford is someone that people have had, you know, a spotlight on for a long time. Dude, Angelo Dawkins has improved a lot, too. Like, I, I, oh, think, yeah. I, I think this guy doesn't get a, get enough credit for like where, where he's come. And I, I do not uh, write him off as a lost cause if this team breaks up. Who would you turn? Um, I'd kind of like to see Montez Ford as uh, starting things off as a heel because I think long term he's going to be a top baby face for this company. But I think going through a heel run first might be the direction to go. It's so unnatural because I, I you know, I, I don't like using this term because I don't think this person deserves it. But if you're to pick a Janetti and a Sean, obviously like Ford is the one that, that gets the most focus. So therefore, um, maybe you turn him into Sean. Maybe you turn him into, into the, uh, oh, the Dawkins going group. through a, a window. Uh, maybe he's got Janetti genetics. <laughs> well, we will see. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it story wise, I, I saving Dawkins, I think giving him relevance by baby facing him perhaps, but it would be a tough, tough hill to climb. I would say for him. So they thanked kid rock for his song that here in the, uh, the post Vince McMahon era, the first song for the pay-per-view was called shakedown and kid rock is there in attendance and he starts making out with this woman next to him and then gives the camera the middle finger and they cut to black. Mm, this was yeah. like uh i feel fred durst did this once where he gave the uh the middle finger when he was on camera and they uh they don't like that you can't show the middle finger on uh, well, they, cut the, they cut the black when he did it oh you can't show that on peacock really i don't know i don't know i don't know what their standards are and with that we cut to the ring and riddle storms the ring noting he's not medically cleared but andy orton told him not to take crap from anyone and that means seth rollins uh and he calls him out and this was a much more serious riddle in his delivery. And Rollins comes out. The officials are trying to stop him, but he makes his way down to the ring and then he proceeds to just take out Riddle with a stomp. And the crowd's humming his theme song again. So no sympathy here for Riddle as he got his head bashed in for the second time in a week. And um, that was it. Kind of called his bluff and Rollins answered. So, you know, no surprise opponent for Rollins, like nothing like that. They they strictly I think they're just holding off this match. Like I think they they realized that, you know, maybe they timed out the show and or they felt like, you know, Wales needs a bigger match and why are we doing this now? Well, it couldn't have been a timing issue. They could have easily scrapped this segment as well as the Drew segment if they wanted to fit something in. I I, I consider it an interesting philosophical change because in the past I think they would have burned this first match together here and then they would have just had some bullshit finish to get to the rematch at clash of the castle if they wanted to to you know have this yeah. match at clash of the clash of the castle well they they obviously felt like well, let's we don't want this match this sunday so or saturday mm. so we want it for next month so I love why, it. why do it here I, I hope this is an indicator that we're going to see far less rematches in this new regime than than we have in the past um because i, I think I, it's almost inevitable that like there there's to me, I just don't think you can continue. Like, it was almost laughable. Like, you literally had the New Day making jokes about it on television mm -hmm. about how you're just stuck in place doing the same matches every week. Like, I just don't think you would actively have to decide that we're just going to do rematch after rematch after rematch to replicate what they're inheriting here. It's yeah. like there, there's so many places of just instant improvement by just doing the bare minimum. All you're doing, is, I mean, it is so transparent what they attempt to do. They're trying to, you know, get your audience to pay attention here. We're going to do this match. 
then you take out the finish so that you could just dangle the same carrot, you know, in front of us the, the next time around. And it just all it does is make your audience pissed off and it downgrades the quality and the perception of quality of your product. So hopefully, like, I much prefer this where they just took the match away completely, even giving us a bullshit injury angle. Fine. Just don't give us the match and just give it to us when you're actually going to promise that it's going to be there. Yeah. Like, why did this show need to have a match that had some kind of non-finish or something that's going to going and get the opposite of the opener, something that makes the fans happy? Why are we going to actively put something on there that's going to make the fans unhappy mm-hmm. when it doesn't need to? It's not like this is a big heavy heat angle. It's just how do we get out of this match to prolong it another month? So let's yeah. just cut out the the middle. Liv, Mor- Liv Morgan against Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. This is where the attendance jumped by 5,000, according to Michael Cole. And they note that only Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, and Liv Morgan have ever pinned Ronda Rousey. So Liv Morgan looking to uh, beat her twice in one month. So Liv early on hits a code breaker and goes for oblivion, but it's blocked. And Rousey, her whole strategy is getting... Liv's arm and ripping it off and Liv would constantly defend she countered into a rings of Saturn hit her with a crucifix bomb and then Rousey just gives her this big judo throw holds on to the arm she's healing at the crowd and then applies it as Liv reaches the rope she then throws Liv reapplies it but again Liv is able to flip over and make it to the rope and referee Dan Engler is asking Liv if he should stop the match, but she wants to continue. The trainer's checking on her. Cole's yelling, she's got one arm to try and beat Ronda Rousey with. And Rousey goes into the corner, flying head scissors into an arm bar, and she's got the arm bar off her back with her shoulders down, and the referee counts her shoulders down in four minutes and 35 seconds. This was the Daniel Pewter Kurt Angle finish. Where this was, for those that were not watching at the time, in in 2004, they did a tough enough segment where Kurt Angle challenged any of them to come in and basically have like like a grap like a legit grappling match with him on on television, and they uh, they got Daniel Pewter and Pewter, who was a guy that like was training with like aka at the time and with frank shamrock like knew what he was doing and he he went and like got a key lock on kurt angle yeah and he's got the kimura applied and jimmy corderas is like just thinking on his feet and sees that pewter's arms are or shoulders are down so he counts three to pretty much save kurt angle here because kurt was gonna have to tap out like this thing was locked and he was not Um, going to tap it probably would have like torn his arm um would would have been the would have been the other option here but this was the finish and they used it all like 18 years later i i think logical when you're you know talking about somebody with a with an arm bar as a as a finish right um but sure yeah um what a ridiculous idea that was just you know you reminding us about that whole ridiculous tough enough thing and um Anyway, that 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 is the stuff of legend. Maybe we'll see covered in the doc, uh, A&E <laughs> special. It'd be interesting if if they Daniel. covered that. It was like Daniel Pewter <laughs> really ran with that. And and at one time like when when Kurt left WWE and people didn't know about him going to TNA, that was the fight that Dana White was trying to put together. It was like getting Kurt to come to the UFC and he would fight Daniel Pewter. I might still have my I hurt Kurt uh, shirt somewhere that I, he, he I gave probably to a bunch have of one us. too that he sent to a bunch of us. Yes, I hurt yeah. Kurt. 
Um, anyway, back to this match. <laughs> yeah. So that all said, this was this was very poorly received by people. Mm-hmm. Michael Cole called it a bad call, and then afterwards, Rousey attacks Liv Morgan, reapplying the armbar, and then throws Dan Engler and puts him in the armbar. And the idea here is that Liv escaped with the title, but she was totally dominated by. Ronda Rousey. In some ways, this was kind of built up very similar to the uh, the Juliana Pena Amanda Nunez fight tonight. Little different, but nonetheless, that was uh, sort of the idea. Um, Did you watch? The, how much of the UFC have you seen? I, I saw nothing. I was watching this all night, so I haven't right, seen right. any of it. I've got the results though. We will have a post show tomorrow, though. Yes, okay. Sunday at two Eastern. Phil Chair Talk and Eric Marcotte will have a full post show. Um, yes, which. I mean, tonight, Amanda Nunez regained the title in the main event. They went five rounds. Back to this match. Okay, back to this match. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, people like hated this, it, it, it seemed like. Um, I did not hate this. I could see it was a, certainly a groan-inducing finish. And th- to me, though, it was extending the story of what they had already said. And you can certainly argue it's not been the most flattering story for Liv, that she's this mm-hmm. undeserving champion that has now twice pretty much lucked into leaving as champion um, and that Ronda Rousey people still view as the better of the two, which to me can pay off if Liv finally gets her big win over Ronda Rousey. But I never expected them to do that here. In fact, I was thinking Rousey would win back the title here and that would kind of cement her as a heel. But what what did you think about this and and how it was uh, handled? Well, going back to what we were just talking about, about them not putting Rollins versus Riddle on this show, uh, potentially for fear of just giving us a bullshit finish to get to a rematch. I feel like that's exactly what they did here. I mean, not to say this was that much of a bullshit finish, okay? Because it's 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 one that is is very credible. You know, it can occur in real life. Like I, I could buy it. Um, but if this it, it, it is was designed of, certainly to protect Ronda, but not take the title off Liv. Yeah, yeah. And if this is their way of getting to a rematch, I I, I groan at that because um, is my interest increased for a rematch coming off of this? The answer is no. This match had Liv Morgan do nothing to show me that she deserves any of my um, mm, uh, support. Support for for wanting to cheer for her as a baby face. Mm-hmm. She was decimated in this match mm-hmm. by Ronda Rousey, and it only bolsters her perception as a paper champion coming off of Money in the Bank. This is the problem they have with a good like majority of their Money in the Bank winners. Austin Theory is going to go through the same thing whenever he gets the title by you know bullshit means if he gets the title at this point. Um, it's just like it it is disappointing, and I think so much of of your expectations john uh, or maybe your your viewing of this as um something that's maybe a bit more positive is the hope that Liv morgan ultimately gets that story i'm not as optimistic you know i don't think over the course of a month they're going to suddenly have Liv morgan rack up so many wins and gain so much in experience that she's going to be competitive with ronda rousey i think the next time around she's she's likely to Lucky well, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you this as well, Way. Like, if you're coming out of this and Ronda, if you view this as her heel turn at the end of this mm-hmm. and you're building to another match, I don't think I'd be advocating for Ronda to lose her first big match as a heel either. So yeah. she beating Liv, that to me is kind of now you've set the pieces where that's where as a fan, you write off Liv at that point and that's mm-hmm. you don't you don't take her seriously anymore so they may have backed themselves into a corner here where it's either you have a solid heel in ronda rousey or you have live that 
you kind of have to take the title off of. And then it's she really becomes this forgettable champion that had a joke of a reign that backdoored her way into winning the title and then found lightning struck twice and she was able to retain the title once. Yeah. And at that point, she would become no better than a Nikki Ash, you know, who in a year's time we've completely forgotten used to be a former champion. Um, This to me hints towards, unfortunately, that that pattern. Mm -hmm. And um, she was given nothing here. You know, I thought this was going to be an opportunity to show that she would at least be somewhat competent. She'd she'd somehow be able to use some sort of skill and smarts to perhaps actually get some sort of credible, even if albeit a bit fluky, win over Ronda. But they gave her no offense whatsoever. She did show toughness and a refusal to, to, to tap, I suppose. But it was not enough. And judging by this crowd reaction, that was the, the most concerning part of all. You know, Liv Morgan, who I think somebody going back to Money in the Bank, everybody was so incredibly happy and wanting her to, to win that. In this match, crowd was not into her at all. She got no support. Um, And I, I think for me, at least a big part of that is because they've given her zero credibility. Well, maybe on SmackDown, we're going to see Liv Morgan call up a now fellow champion. And she's going to rely on Amanda Nunez for some strategy. That would be the way to do it. To yeah. fight Ronda in the third in the third match. We'll mm-hmm. see. I I like Ronda in this more aggressive heel role. I think it's mm-hmm. so much better suited for her at this point. I would like them to continue this direction. I saw that as a positive. And to be quite honest, if they're not going to go with Liv, then yeah, put the title on the person that you are pushing the most. And if that's Ronda as a heel, that might be a lot more interesting. You've just... You know, granted, it's on the raw side, but there's a lot of baby faces that Ronda can work with um, that you can mix and match. There's no doubt, but come WrestleMania or even like Royal Rumble, you're going to default back to Ronda Rousey. She's going to be in one of those headlining matches simply because well, she's they've going turned to be Becky now. Up. Like that to me, that totally mm-hmm. aligns. Like on the same night that Becky turns babyface, we pretty much see Ronda turn heel, which are the roles they should be in for that match next year. Agreed. But the disappointment is that by that point, you would have wasted whatever organic interest there would have been in potentially ascending Liv Morgan to a Becky Lynch level, mm-hmm. to a Sasha level, you know, to a, even, I don't know. They like they, they definitely level. had something with Liv. They've had it for months that you could see the audience wanted to get behind her and money in the bank. They did. Um, I, I, I am still remaining optimistic because this this is a test of this new creative direction. If this was two months ago, I think I'd be much more in your camp that this was a disaster and I've given up on Liv because there's no coming back from this. Honestly, um, th- it's even tougher now because Liv Morgan was never a Triple H like candidate or at least of course she came through the system but she was never being being given the, a prime role in the nxt women's division she was certainly never being even considered for a championship run especially now when you have people like you know yoshirai bailey back in here potentially naomi and potentially sasha even coming back well where does that leave? well we'll see leave? we'll see right because they very easily could have come in with that idea that if hey we don't have anything Liv morgan wasn't our choice let's we're turning ronda let's get the belt back on ronda and start from scratch they didn't yeah. do that so, yeah, that's true. Th- this follow-up will be one to watch for sure. <sighs> and then uh, Mayor Kane was uh, brought into the ring to announce the attendance of 48,449, uh, and he was not met uh, positively. I couldn't really tell. Like, it seemed like the live reaction was positive for him, was it not? Oh, I was on Twitter. Oh, uh, yeah, no, no. Where the man has made uh, quite the spectacle of himself uh, mm. routinely. So I don't mm. think there's any sympathy there. 
Main event time. I don't even know how we're going to run through this. Roman Reigns against Brock Lesnar in the most insane WWE spectacle that they have maybe ever produced. A last man standing match for the undisputed Universal Championship. Reigns and the Bloodline make their entrance and then Lesnar comes out and he walks over by the by the entrance area and he this just happens to be a tractor just just in case you never know when you might need a tractor um, and you leave the keys in for the guy to be able to commandeer. So he puts on his flannel shirt and drives the tractor up to the ring and then he climbs into the loader and then cuts off Mike Rome so he can do his own introduction as a big ass country boy here to kick Roman Reigns ass. And then Lesnar leaps out of the loader onto Reigns to start the match. And that definitely did set the tone. The visual from the moment that we saw this guy, first of all, like drive the tractor and then get on top of it as they're doing the in-ring introductions with Paul, like with Brock Lesnar standing in the scoop of the tractor. It was incredible. Like it really was. This Everything was like, about this was the visual of it. Yeah, completely. Like there were just. And, and, and Brock Lesnar's, you know, pretty, um, I would say pretty good tractor driving skills. I, I, I was impressed. Dude, there, there was no one on this show who had a greater level of trust in his colleague than Roman Reigns. Yeah. Nowhere close. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we, we will get into all of this. So it begins um, that they fight into the crowd. They go onto the staging area by a metal truss. Lesnar gets, uh, Lesnar leaps onto the barricade on the way back and he slips and does a quick recovery and nails Reigns with German suplexes on the floor, sets up a table, and then Heyman is begging off, telling Lesnar, I've always loved you. And it leads to Reigns hitting him with a Samoan drop through a table and then chokeslams Lesnar through another table, hits him with a pair of Superman punches and a spear, but Lesnar gets to his feet. And Lesnar goes back to the tractor, lowers the loader, and blasts Reigns uh, with, with the with uh, with, with the steps. He's then using part of the table as a weapon. Reigns gets up. He tosses Reigns into the loader. He then lifts the loader up and dumps Reigns into the ring. And this part was. I thought this part was nuts. I mean, it was yeah. a relatively routine little pratfall <laughs> for Roman Reigns. Like it's not this big fall, but dude, at the same time, it's like. These guys are not stuntmen, and it's like, what what could have potentially gone wrong? You oh, know what I mean? To, just to see a human in this, like, you know, like, monstrous piece of heavy machinery, and, and, and just Like, see what if something goes wrong? He just TV. jams something? It's like, what? and this is before we get to the part where he's like, he's elevating objects. Like, Dude, I know, I know. Like, again, it takes an incredible amount of trust, I'm sure, in Brock Lesnar. I, I really wonder what sort of, like, uh, rehearsal they could have gone through for this particular match. Because a lot of these spots you only had one take for. Like, one one in particular, of course. Um, So, it was crazy. Yeah. So, he dumps Lesnar into the ring uh, fr- from the loader. And then proceeds with more Germans and an F5. But Reigns gets up. He goes for the guillotine. Lesnar turns it into his own. Reigns is up. And then Lesnar gets into the tractor again. And this time, he lowers it. And he starts to shift the ring over. Cole and Graves are screaming because the ring is literally coming towards them. It's it's moved across the floor. And l- then he uses the loader to tip the ring up it elevates off of the floor reigns is in the ring 
and he rolls out. This was fucking crazy. It was the most the the craziest visual I I have ever seen um, of of a professional wrestling ring in this state. This this being Roman Reigns, a man who made the determination. This workplace is not safe right now during this pandemic. I'm going home. How about we get Brock 15 minutes into a match to lift up a ring? You're going to be in it, and you're just going to tumble down to the floor. I'm sure it'll go great. And listen, it looks like it went fine, but, dude, this was an ungodly amount of ambition and trust, and I, I... I wasn't necessarily comfortable watching this. Like, it looks like everything went fine. There were no hiccups in all of this. But my God, like you're doing this live. These are untrained stuntmen. And you're doing pretty much like a movie scene here. A pretty Mm -hmm. advanced one. Completely. Yeah. I would love to know how this was suggested. (laughs) You had fans at ringside here. Like, it's just there's a lot of variables here. I mean, how was this walk through? How how was this like determined to be safe? What sort of insurance people had to be around to dictate that this was okay and that you know you weren't putting other people's lives in danger by doing this? What production? Well, well they what? consulted the mayor of Knox County and said, "What would we be facing?" Oh, just go you for want. it. No. Here's <laughs> it's your right. You can do you can do whatever you want. Freedom and freedom, freedom. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Like anyone who tells you no is showing weakness. That's it. Um, <laughs> yeah, we got a bit like the left. <laughs> so, um, dude, this was, was nuts. Amazing, like this was dude. like an all-time unbelievable spectacle. I mean, it's just it's one of those visuals that people will always associate with uh, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. I, I tweeted this out earlier, but like you know, we 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 complain a lot about production in the WWE particularly overproduction when it comes to, you know, shit like crazy camera cuts, cameras in places that don't, there doesn't need to be cameras, uh, special VR graphics, you know, for Xia Li coming out, um, that might look a little bit cool, but then just feels completely like ridiculous after a few weeks, uh, birds coming out of riddle shoes when they pull, put their resources and their budget into spots like this, instead of fucked up weird shit, like sound effects and all that, this is when this show is great. This is when this company is great. You know, stuff like the beer truck, stuff like the milk truck, stuff like any form of truck. Uh, this company tends to do pretty well. And this was a different level, though. Different I mean, level, yeah. Like, like go back seriously and watch as this ring, the elevation it gets, and Roman, like he has no control on where his body is going, what is going to land on the floor. Like he is just crossing his fingers that I'm going to have an, a, a safe roll down this ring to yeah. the floor uninterrupted. And I mean, it was, oh, I just, mention, I like, could not imagine pitching this to this guy. And, and just like, how much trust do you have Brock Lesnar? Do you have, do you have in Brock Lesnar, like using this heavy piece of machinery and evidently yes. a whole lot. Cause a man who's man. been known on live television to out of frustration, fucking chuck a car door into the audience. Well, it's that wild unpredictability that comes with Brock Lesnar that really makes him so special yeah. as a live performer beyond just his incredible size and charisma. It's it's just like what he's able to do with it. And and in this case, it had nothing to do with his size. It's just, just strictly his craziness. The man is crazy. And you know what? In this case, was able to execute that craziness flawlessly, I would say, in, in, in one of the craziest, best-looking stunts I've ever seen in this company. 
I, I can't remember where where I read it, but the, someone was joking like it was how they got him back to SmackDown last week. They bought him a tractor. He gets to what? take this home. It was a joke, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that's I was hilarious. Like, that is great. Anyway, he gets to ride, but imagine like him like riding it home on the highway. He just drives this from Nashville, Saskatchewan, to, <laughs> checks it at the border. So it's just an unbelievable spectacle. And to, if you did not see this visual, like you will certainly see it. I mean, if they put this. This highlight on on YouTube, just like the thumbnail, this will be oh, just the still shot of insane. Yeah, exactly, yeah, crazy. The Usos are out. Paul Heyman gives him the title, Lesnar the title, telling him just leave, just just leave my tribal chief alone. And this leads to Heyman taking an F five through the desk, and then Rain spears Lesnar. Both men are down, and Theory's music hits. He runs down. Cole is noting the precedent that Seth Rollins set, and he blasts Reigns with the briefcase. But then Lesnar F fives Theory on the floor, and that's. That's the end of theory. So he teased the cash in, but didn't actually cash in. The Usos super kick Lesnar. Lesnar's up at nine. There's a spear by Reigns dropping Lesnar on top of the titles. Again, he beats the count. The crowd is all with this. Then Reigns destroys Lesnar using Theory's briefcase. Michael Cole is, if he does not have laryngitis after this event, nothing will. He was just, fuck my voice. I'm going to give the call of my lifetime here. There's been a lot of discussion. I mean, once, you know, the whole Vince thing was announced, there was a lot of increased interest in how that would affect the commentary team. Did you notice any difference to you about the calls tonight? Um, It definitely felt like Michael Cole, and maybe it's reading into it, he definitely had a looser feel. I mean, in this match, he's yelling out, God damn. He's, mm. he's joking about wanting to go out drinking with Corey Graves last night, but Corey's at home sleeping. Um. It, it, there certainly was like a looseness and I I cannot fathom that Michael Cole doesn't feel like the weight of the world is out of his ears. Mm-hmm. Like how, how could you yeah. not feel that to, to go from what you, it's been 25 years of this guy used to this. And oh, now what I imagine it's like phantom phantom like white phantom noise. Vince. Probably it's like, well, it's probably, probably hears, he probably like wakes up at night hearing, you know, <laughs> God damn it. Say new and vicious. <laughs> don't you dare say belt uh reigns we could just go on and on about this so reigns uh continues to get up cole's yelling he's bionic or something and finally Reigns says never come back you're not welcome here as he hits him with the universal title and they bury lesnar underneath chairs the desk steps and rain stands on top of all this debris they're yelling that lesnar can't breathe and reigns wins the match in 22 minutes and 56 seconds and lesnar eventually rolls out of the uh, all of this that he's buried underneath cole's yelling he's not human the usos carry paul Heyman out dude paul Heyman was just fantastic to watch here this man was down for like a count of a thousand and then reigns is just walking away unassisted and the final shot is reigns putting his two belts up this crazy pyro and fireworks goes off i think all those unvested shares that vince had to turn over that 2.7 million went into this pyro display at the end of this show and michael cole calling it probably the greatest last man standing match ever and that concluded SummerSlam at three hours and 40 minutes. It was a crazy fucking match. Um, craziest last bang standing match I've ever seen. And I would probably agree with Michael Cole. I don't think there was much hyperbole in that statement. It, it probably was the best last bang standing match that I've ever seen. 
what what else would be a candidate in your mind? There's been it's a list worth going through because there have been some great ones in WWE. Like they are very good at laying out these matches. What whether it's up to you right now, Cena and Umaga comes to mind for me. That that happened. Was um, it this good? I, I have to go. Back. Like listen, this to me was. I have a weird time calling this like an all time great match. This was like such a spectacle is like the best word for it. What but, is a match? But like, what well, that's what that's what this was. Listen, this this was phenomenal to to watch like this to me is going to be an all-time remembered match um and and maybe there will be some people that at the end of the year this is going to be one of their favorite matches of all time maybe you're right it is a hard one to judge especially for i think the hardcore wrestling fan who i think traditionally tends to favor work rate this was not a work rate match this was a spectacle match but were you, how Th- this was a Jerry Bruckheimer film, okay? It's yes. not winning the Oscar, but yeah. my God, was it two hours of explosions and and crazy effects and mm-hmm. CGI? Yes, and it was phenomenal. It was like yeah. the the Top Gun of of insane Last Man Standing matches. We have seen Brock versus Roman for what feels like a million times by this point. And and they've what, ended on the greatest note possible. Well, what sort of what sort of wrinkle what, were they going to add to this one to make it different from all the others? And remember, this was not. And they were coming the off a really a really lackluster one at WrestleMania. I felt. What was the original plan for this? Before Brock, Orton, right? Yeah, it was Orton. Yeah, God, I can't I can't imagine what that would have been like. Uh, you know, anyway, com- in comparison to this, at least. So anyway, they, <laughs> hey, they hey were- Randy, re- remember a couple of years ago at SummerSlam, we asked Brock to like drill your forehead open. Well, this time we want to use a. Uh, I know it would be Roman that he would be yeah. facing, not Brock, but it's like we want to use a a tractor and <laughs> dump you into the ring. We're gonna we're gonna lift the ring up with you in it. Better yet, put Randy in the tractor. See how that goes. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> um. But, you know, like, what were they going to do to make this one different from the rest? Turns out a tractor was the answer, okay? You throw a tractor in between these two, and you're going to end up with a completely different match. And really, I'm joking, but, like, it turns out the last man standing stipulation ended up being a really great way to take, you know, the sort of explosive spamming finishers type of, like, style that these two have had developed up, up until this point and, and somehow turn that into, you know, something that was a bit more paced, but still built drama, but also gave you an excuse to continue to one up the ridiculousness of these finishers to the point where we're using vehicles. Now, you know, we're, we're tipping rings over <laughs> we're just like throwing every crazy idea we have in there. But the key, and, and I think the thing that deserves the most respect was the, like the, 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 the perfect execution of these tremendously dangerous stunts. Oh, th- this was, the there was a lot of danger. There was a high danger quotient in this match. And mm-hmm. it's, I, I don't really want to see people watch this and be inspired. That's like, we have to top this. I like, I don't I, know I do- how somebody would, it would take a great deal of money. No independent wrestling promotion is just going to, I would hope not that they, that they would just hire a tractor to try shit like this. Well, but. I mean, it's like you, you, you introduce this stuff much like, you know, when people that grew up and saw mankind dive off the cell and it was like, you have to top it and you, you've got Shane diving off of cells. See, this it, requires money though. You know, like how many times have we seen like them do the WWE? They constantly do that or they, a few times they've done the ring collapsing. Involving Brock in Big Show the first time. How yeah. many ind- indies have been able to replicate that? 
some things you just can't do unless. Well, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm. I'm talking even like in WWE uh, of doing more stuff like this. I just think right. like this. This does open it, and you cannot deny this is probably what like 99% positively received by people. It was like, how could you not? Like this was an utter spectacle from start to finish, and and people are raving about this. And the natural becomes like it worked. And when something works in wrestling, you try to heighten it. It's true. Yeah, and it's like um, th- th- these are like. These are humans. These are not stuntmen. And I always go back to that uh, that Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Talk is Jericho show that they did reflecting on that Hell in a Cell that they did with Shane McMahon. And just like the inches that if they were off, like it's like we're not stuntmen and yet we're doing things that are like that would be you would be you would need to be licensed that you would have to have qualifications to be able to pull off. And pro wrestlers are like, yeah, that's that's something we come up with and we're going to do it live in front of an audience. I will say though, I would take Brock Lesnar lifting me up while I was in the middle of a ring and me gently rolling over to the side. I would take that any day over jumping off of the hell in a cell. Yeah. I, I, I will, I will push back a little on the term gently. Um, like it was, he dude, he was down. like, he was rolling down and know, could, yeah. could have like landed on his head for all we knew uh, on the bottom there. Listen, it it was it was tremendous, um, but it was also um, I, I'm glad everyone was OK by by the end of this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, I would love to know the behind the scenes. I know they don't really do that sort of thing in the WWE, but like, God, it, it, someday, you know, I, I would love a, a Brock Lesnar. A&E will get the, the rights to uh, this this Rivals episode down the road. Yeah. Anyway. Hell um, of a way to go out on this show. I, I thought this was a really great show. Like, I give, I give it a thumbs up show. I think it was like a really well put together show. I think there's a lot of interest coming out of it, not just for the the changes that are going on, but just as a show on its own. Like if this had happened, um, you know, under like there was no creative changes. I still think this was like a really positively received show. The main event was spectacular. Um, I, I, th- I thought a lot on the show delivered. Not everything I, did, but what didn't, I still think got elevated by an overall opinion on the show that people were in a pretty good mood watching this show. And they, just kind of took it all in as a really entertaining start to finish show, depending on whatever variances there were on some of the matches. A total thumbs up, thumbs up show for me. And I think it was, uh, you know, highlighted by two bookends that will probably end up, end up remembering the most in, you know, a, a very good opening match between Bianca Belair and, and, and Becky Lynch worthy of, I think being compared to, in your opinion, John better than the WrestleMania match. Uh, but more importantly, giving you tremendous hope and surprise with the closing angle involving those three returns slash debuts and uh, just, you know, future direction and future optimism for this women's division that has been centered around, you know, a few principal players for far too long. And then ending with one of the most spectacular things I've ever seen in this television show. Um, You can't like those two things alone, I think would be enough. But then the middle of the show I thought was very entertaining as well. You can argue about the build. We we, we're always disappointed in, in the build. Um, but I, I, if, if if the wrestling content is good, I tend to forget a whole lot of it. And history will as well. Logan Paul, I thought, put in a tremendous performance. Um, Pat McAfee, not the cleanest match, but crowd response was very good for it. Everything else was good to inoffensive, with the exception of maybe Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey, which to me was the weakest point of the show, because I don't think they achieved their aim of generating 
more interest in in a rematch between the two. I certainly don't think it did Morgan any favors, but of course it did set up a Ronda Rousey heel turn, which will be very important. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that it was uh, when you're talking about that match. Um, you know that the weakest stuff that you could say on the show, like theory and Lashley was just what it was. But I mean, that match and the Ronda live match, you're talking under five minutes um, that those matches uh, took place. So I think it's not going to be as, as big of a detriment to, to some, but yeah, I would say that would be maybe on the low side with the, uh, the Rousey live. Um, I I wasn't as big into uh, the McAfee corn match, but to your point, like it, it got over with the audience and that ultimately is what you are aiming for. So yeah, it was a thumbs up show. I think that uh, a lot of people were very high on the show, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, at this point, we we are going to say goodbye to John, and I'm going to say goodbye to John because this will be the last show that I'm doing with him for quite a while because I'm off to my paternity leave after tonight. So, John, thank you ahead of time for uh, the incredible amount of work you're about to embark on as you yes. continue to embark on. Uh, every single day on the site. And uh, I want to thank everybody in advance who will be joining us, um, you know, in my place uh, throughout a number of our shows. What else is coming up this week? Uh, I'll be back Sunday night with Karen Peterson. We're doing a G1 podcast show. So look out for that. Postwrestlingcafe.com. It is a new month coming up. So uh, we will be covering the G1 right through the ending on uh, August the 18th. And then Monday night, I am back with Andrew Thompson for Rewind to Raw. So you can look forward to that over the next uh, two nights. And away. I'll chat with you in a month. See you later. All right, everybody, just me and you and the feedback. So at this point, if you're a double, double ice cap or a special patron, uh, you should have the link to call in and you can get your thoughts on the show. You can also send in a super chat if you would like me to read it. And this show comes to us sponsored not only by our post wrestling cafe patrons, by Simon Todd, Uncle D from the Cho, who sends $20 as well as two other $5 Super Chats, mainly asking about the UFC. And that's why I asked John if he'd seen the UFC. He had not. So I'm not going to read those ones, but I will read this one. This is Uncle D from the Cho. Congrats to the way and welcome back, John. How did the OSHA allow this match? Vince forever. That, of course, being the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. I have no idea. I would love to know. Um... Part of me wonders um, how much, how much uh, clearance uh, was was necessarily had for a man lifting a wrestling ring with a forklift. Thank you for mu- so much for the support, Uncle D from the Cho, and uh, we love hearing from you as always. Let's go to a first call here. We got a Hanzi. Hanzi, yeah, welcome going, to the show. It's just me and you. On? What's going on? I don't do it, man. What the call this? Uh, I, I, well, I, I hope John is, you know. Uh, like, you know, Gary himself up for a month, man. I know that guy deals with it a lot, so I, I all the power to him and all that. But um, I, I got to say, man, this show absolutely sucked. No, I'm joking. No, no the, the show was uh, it was pretty good. Like, thing is, like, I, I was not looking forward to this show at all because of the build. But, I, but like, like, I always state when I, with people who happen that if you watch it as a one-off, these shows are always, like, amazing. So if you're someone that watches this one-off a month, you probably don't even think that WWE is, like, that bad, like, as everyone says, because you're not watching it weekly. I just hope the follow-up, like, this is always the case. Like, the, the, the show's good. I hope the follow-up is good. But I actually, there's things to look forward to with EO Shirai or EO Sky. And uh, I, like that was a really pleasant, pleasant surprise. I, I would say that the best matches were probably the opening match, and I thought the uh, 
I thought the main event was probably like really, 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 really good. Um, probably the second best Roman Reigns, and uh, I still, I still lean towards the first match they had at WrestleMania 31 as being like the one of their best. I, I know people were hating on that one, and people always kind of like dismiss it. But I, I think if you go back and watch that one, that one's actually like one of their best ones that they've ever done. And I got to say, like, I've never really been a fan of a lot of their matches. They, they reached like Austin and Undertaker level. I never really thought Undertaker and Austin had never been strong together uh, in mm-hmm. matches. Right? So I thought this was really, really amazing. I, I, I noticed in the beginning even that, like, like that the raw commentary team were like like were like I thought it was like Excalibur and these guys because they're actually naming moves like they, I never really heard them often name moves and all that kind of stuff and you know I just thought it was um I I just thought it was a, a really really good pay per view and I I just want to say what's it called before I go away what's it called uh, uh I'm gonna miss you for a month bro um congratulations on everything you're gonna be a good father I, I you, you, you and your wife I met her one time she's you're gonna, gonna be great parents so all the best to you man and uh, just don't worry about this wrestling shit and I. I promise if Pollock's watching later on, I, I won't I won't bother Pollock too much or anything like that. So, uh, wait, take care, bro, and I, I'm going to miss you, man. Peace out. Thank you so much, Hanzi. I'll, I'll miss the uh, constant calls from you as well. And uh, don't don't worry, like Pollock will will be more than happy. I, I'm sure to to speak with you as as will all of our uh, guest hosts. I'm sure uh, a constant presence that we we enjoy in the show, Hanzi. So thank you for that. Take it easy, bro. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, you know, like uh, Hansi brought up a lot of the uh, possible changes here with the commentary team and so much of it. I don't know if it's just because I've learned to tune out uh, wrestling commentary, at least WWE commentary for the most part. But it's not something I'm necessarily paying attention to to see if there are differences or not. So maybe that's something, um, you know, I will do like, you know, in, in, in the weeks ahead, especially when I come back a, a full month from now to notice if there's any discernible differences. Um, some of it is is relatively subtle that I, I don't know how much of us can can really figure out um until maybe something you know something happens or, or something is said that that is that much more of a special case so um in roman reigns versus brock lesnar is a match that we have certainly seen a whole lot of and that is why the today's iteration was so much more impressive to me because they managed to find a different wrinkle it's one thing to like have a first match be very impressive but it's another when you've already seen the match a number of times to make it fresh again and and to reinvent it somehow and they 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 managed to do that with this stipulation uh, because they took the ridiculousness and the incredible feats of production to a different level so thank you for that hansi we uh get a super chat here from slim sieber who sends five dollars thank you slim sieber for the super chat he says love to post early congrats on the new arrival way enjoy your paternity leave thank you so much for that slim much appreciated at this point, we go to forum.postwrestling.com where all of our patrons get a chance to leave their feedback to uh, any of our shows that we do live here. So th- first, we go to Manny from Pacoima, who says, first things first, I can't believe I drink the same type of water as the maximum male models. SummerSlam was really good. The stadiums make the shows feel bigger and important. The main event was a spectacle, and I give props to those involved in putting the match together it was a, it, as it was a very fun watch. Michael Cole pleading the ref to count faster added to the match. Brock lifting the ring was bonkers. And towards the end of the match, the crowd was completely behind Brock as he kept beating the count over and over. The Raw Women's Settle match was great as well. And from the conclusion came a face turn and three returns adding more breath to the women's division. Edge returned and looked like a rock star. I give SummerSlam an 8 out of 10. Lastly, Way, enjoy your time off and congratulations once again. 
I can't wait for the mysterious vignettes to start airing during the review show, signaling your return. Just don't heal, turn heel on John. Yeah, we're we're getting those ready right now. I've been, uh, you know, getting uh, my red leather jacket ready. I'm slicking back my hair, um, growing it out, and then cutting it short, and then, uh, you know, uh, spraying down an alleyway so I can walk through with um, various props uh, representing various people of uh, the post wrestling universe. So thank you so much for that, Manny. Uh, Okay, <laughs> review a snake says, as somebody who always hates on WWE because it consistently insults the intelligence of fans and is loaded with bad childish humor, I've taken to ways advice from months ago of strictly just watching PLEs. This event had my interest because, like most people, I love the Triple H NXT takeovers. They were can't miss. I don't feel like I wasted my time tonight, and I actually look forward to the next one. Not everything landed, but it doesn't have to. It just has to make sense. I saw three or four visuals in the main event that actually made me laugh pretty hard. And Logan Paul was simply incredible. I almost fear that Logan is too good and they're going to load up on celebrities now. Thinking more is better. I actually chose to stay home and watch this over meeting friends for UFC, which is rare. But like we say for AEW, they have earned the fans trust. In my eyes, WWE did a pretty good job of earning back mine tonight. Not enough to watch the TV, but enough for me to log on here tonight and give credit where credit is due. Thanks, guys. Thank you for that uh, review with Stank. Um, I I think it, again, was incredibly important that this show under what is perceived to be a new regime, even though Triple H is, you know, finishing up a lot of Vince storylines, it was so important for them to deliver um, just to kind of build on that optimism that, you know, a lot of people went to Monday with and were disappointed by. This was going to be the most viewed thing, you know, that Triple H would have been a part of since technically taken control uh, of the show over the past month and or sorry over the past week and it had to be good because if this was bad um i i think you would have just further weather, weathered whatever goodwill you you might have built up from from this renewed optimism so the raw rating tomorrow should be really interesting because do a lot of people come out from the good good um response to the show with, with with renewed interest um certainly in the women's division but you know maybe maybe how do they follow up the main event scene? I, I suppose you're going to get Drew, but like, you know, like, is there renewed interest? Uh, I think the rating will be really interesting to see. So thank you very much for that. We got a scrump who says, this is my first time watching a WWE show from beginning to end since whichever night of mania that bad bunny wrestled on. And I only tuned in as I saw the reinvigoration of the raw women's division. And I felt like the show might be worth the watch. It wasn't. None of the matches interested me or kept my attention. I just don't get what people see about Pat McAfee and the main event had too corny of a finish for me to even semi-enjoy. Most people will disagree and that's fine as I've not enjoyed main roster WWE since SmackDown was on fire post the last brand split. WWE is at its best when you two recap it in an hour to an hour and a half. Hopefully Triple H can make enough changes to where I can make time to watch their weekly shows again. Uh, All right, so... Yeah, I mean, it's not still going to be for everybody. Um, and, you know, I get a good sense of like, you know, what scrump, what you're what you're into, you know, from, of course, like reading your feedback all these years. And this sort of spectacle laden production um, is is not going to capture the interest of, of everybody. Um, I will say, you know, hearkening back to like the highlights of the Attitude Era. I mean, that was certainly a, a time of a lot more spectacle in their production than it was in ring content. And those are the memories that I think a lot of us leave with. And I would say there's an expectation for WWE to focus not just on in-ring content, but to, to do crazy shit like this from time to time. And more often than not, in the trying to do crazy shit, they've really struck out. You know, they've like they've they've tried crazy stuff, and it just like 
it's crazy stuff in the worst ways, you know, like, I don't know, some, some goofy ass, like zombie thing or like, uh, Lashley sisters or just whatever, like a live sex celebration, you know, just get, get things to get people talking for all the wrong reasons. Tonight they tried some crazy shit and I thought they got people talking for the right reason. So it's not for you, for you. And that's totally fine. We got a John Taylor who actually has a super chat here with $10. Thank you so much, John Taylor, who says, enjoy your time with the family way you earned it. Wrestling related, I noticed Michael Cole said WWE fans instead of WWE Universe. How about that? Very interesting, if so. Uh, we also have Simon Todd, Uncle D from the show, who says, sends $10 for diapers. Thank you so much, <laughs> Simon. Uncle D, um, I appreciate that. We got a Felipe, who sends a 2,500 20, 2, 2, Chilean peso super chat, who says, have a great break time, Way. Thanks for the great, for, thanks for being great. I had a great time tonight, ready for F1 tomorrow. So I didn't completely get your message here, uh, Felipe, but um, I will be talking to you about the Hungary Grand Prix tomorrow as well. So I'm looking forward to that whenever I, I get time to watch it. We continue here with our feedback thread. Who said uh, We got a man from Tennessee who was actually in attendance. He says, I actually went to SummerSlam tonight. I'll try to keep this as brief as I can. I thought the show was a lot of fun as I've never been to a stadium show before. Match of the night for me was definitely Roman and Brock, and that was the most loud the crowd was all night. Funniest moment of the night was whenever Logan came out. Some dude yelled, fuck you. Lots of boos for Logan, but by the end, I didn't hear any boos. And the biggest waste of time was for Seth and Riddle. What the fuck was that? Anyway, overall, I really enjoyed myself. Hopefully, it came across well on TV. Question, how long till Liv loses the title, turns heel, and <laughs> blames us for the fans for the loss? Um, I would say, Matt, um, if, you know, Nikki Ash or, like, any sort of other uh, paper champion is, is any indication, it, it'd be relatively soon. Maybe as soon as Clash at the Castle if we're going to get that rematch right away. But although, like, with Ronda just turning heel, will we get Liv turning heel right away? Um, possible. Possibly. Um as for um, Seth and Riddle, um, maybe it was a bit of a waste of time. I think they wanted to maybe satisfy some of the audience who paid a ticket expecting to see both of those two. And if they weren't going to get a match, then at least, you know, a big pull apart, some sort of appearance, getting to a chance to chant, you know, sing along with Rollins' song was probably the most that they were willing to, at, at least just a bit of a make good, perhaps. That's the sense I got. And then we got a Chris Kent who says, good luck to you, Way, on the next few weeks. You shall be missed. Thank you, Chris. As for tonight, the back-to-back news from Becky turning to EO walking out had me jump out of my seat in excitement. This is enough that I can't wait for Monday to see how the women's landscape plays out. The idea of EO versus Asuka in the near future gives me goosebumps. The one issue I had with the evening was surrounding Liv. Between the cash-in and now knowing full well she didn't win the match, she really is not portraying a face. And I have no idea why I should root for the girl who is clearly on a different level, yet somehow has managed to take advantage of the situation in order to win. Other than that, I'd say thumbs up show. Started really high, ended pretty high. Middle was as expected. Uh, I'm in total agreement with you, Chris. I didn't think the uh, match did Liv Morgan any favors as a babyface. What didn't add to it beyond that, it's one thing for Ronda Rousey to attack Liv Morgan but then she went on and attacked the referee. And as we've learned from Becky Lynch, as we've learned from Charlotte, anytime you have somebody freak out and, you know, commit some sort of big act in, in the attempt to turn heel, they're going to get cheered. And that's what happened tonight. Like Ronda left, you know, getting some applause and getting some cheers from her whooping around this, this referee. So I thought they took it a step too far. And um, again, didn't help, you know, what, 
lack of babyface traction Liv was getting out of the match anyway. We got a Brian from New Jersey who says, I thought this was a good show overall, bookended by strong, memorable moments. I really liked the opener and the battle lines drawn between what surprise returning names excited me. Main event was an incredible spectacle. You could only collapse and cut open the ring so many times. So it was time to tip it over. I'm all for Ronda going heel out of tonight, and I'm guessing Logan Paul is the new Shane McMahon. I'd say he's better than Shane at this point. I'm not really afraid to make that statement. Like, he seems way more of an athlete and way more coordinated than Shane was. Shane can jump off of high things really well. Um, he could, and that's about it. Like, I, I think Logan Paul's striking looks be- better. Like, he's probably had, he certainly had more legit. I mean, the man, you know, was in an ex- exhibition belt with, with Floyd Mayweather, you know? So, um, let me know, chat room, what you guys think. Like, Logan Paul or Shane McMahon? Like, who is who is the better one at this point? Uh, we go to a, another call. Jake. Jake, welcome to the show. Logan Paul or Shane McMahon? Who's better? Uh, Logan. <laughs> hundred hundred times anyway. So, <laughs> Anyways, yeah. I just I just uh, came back uh, from a friend's house. Uh, we are watching uh, SummerSlam together today. And, um, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I don't know if you guys mentioned it yet, but... Uh, uh, considering how much we've seen from from Braca today, and considering that how much we saw that report uh, from Brian Alvarez about what happened backstage with Brock, um, mm-hmm. yeah, do you think that this is going to be uh, uh, his days in the WWE might be numbered in your opinion? <laughs> Sorry, is this a new report, or you mean what, what was coming out of last last from week? last week? Yeah, or yeah, or because, are like, his days I numbered? Mean, no, not at all. Um, okay. Considering he first of all returned um, on Friday, and secondly. Um, did so well tonight. Um, I feel like coming out out of this show, things are probably better than ever. Um, with with Brock Lesnar and his relationship with with the WWE. Again, I I I don't exactly know like what what went down with him backstage. I don't know what his current relationship, uh, what got him to come back. What his current relationship is like with with the with with Vince or with the new regime. But something tells me that um, there's not enough reason for him to leave just because Vince isn't there. Because I don't see any change in their usage of Brock Lesnar. If anything, I can only see them using him better um, and not booking him in, perhaps in right. the same sort of stale situations, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I was wondering about that because it did look like he was having fun tonight. Like, you know, he was he was having oh, yeah. a hell of a time. And yeah, he was he was he was really enjoying himself. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, the stadium looked great, and I'm kind of interested on in what it will look like uh, next month. Uh, and a totally different crowd. I'm pretty excited. What pretty excited about the uh, the Wales crowd, uh, the UK crowd in general as well. So it's going to be a completely different atmosphere. Um, I, I, to be honest with you, I'm really looking forward to uh, Roman and Drew uh, coming up. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm kinda really interested in how that's going to look uh, next month uh, with another stadium show. So let's see what differences differences they'll make to keep it special with these you know we're having more of these stadium shows so it'll be interesting how they how they're going to go along with that so well we know, the crowd, we know the crowd will be incredibly hot for that show you know it's like uk crowds always are and um i don't know if roman versus drew will be a match that will top my like you know i don't know if i'll be buzzing like this coming out of that particular match, match. um i but you know like it'll be a more um I think average or at least like it'll still be good. I'm sure as these two have, have had good matches before, sure. but like it won't be the spectacle, but that doesn't mean it won't be, you know, exciting in that um, you won't get a great 
entertaining show out of it because again i think the crowd support will certainly be there you might get a new champion that's that's a prime spot for a title change i would say yeah definitely do to that just want to catch up with you uh, one more time way and thank you so thank you so much for the great work that you did um especially in recently in all in all these years so uh really looking forward and really excited for you man for this new adventure uh with the family so really uh, bless your heart man so really proud of you and uh can't wait to uh, till we uh, talk again talk again in the future <laughs> thank you jake thank you as uh, as always for contributing to the shows and and uh, always you know uh keeping up with us so much appreciated sweet thanks all right, let's continue here with the feedback. We got a muggin who says, of all the matches Reigns and Lesnar have had over seven years and three WrestleMania main events, this last main last man standing match was on the higher end of their catalog. It was a bonkers main event, and that tractor spot will be in every highlight package to the end of time. The Becky Bianca saga got the ending it deserved, and it was a real it was real cool seeing them gain respect for each other with a handshake. Perfect symmetry from last year. And it was another great match, and the Bailey return was tremendous along with Io Shirai and Dakota. It's easily the high point of SummerSlam. Man, do I feel sorry for SmackDown. Liv Ronda paved the way for a heel turn for Rousey, and it was the right move. Usos' profits didn't love, live up to their money in the back encounter, but it was still solid. The split will be heartbreaking. With this new regime change, can the bloodline face some adversity for once? We shall certainly see. And I wouldn't necessarily be so quick to, like, you know, shut the door on SmackDown just yet because um, they chose to reinvigorate Raw tonight with new talent. They could very easily do the same for SmackDown. You know, there are free agents that are out there, um, two in particular that I think a lot of people might have been expecting tonight. And um, what makes sense to, to bring back to SmackDown, if if that happens, you know, there are other names that are, of course, that are available out there. If they set the intention to renew and uh, reinvigorate, you know, something, uh, it's within their power. And you saw it tonight, like in one swift, really five minute segment. I, I have completely renewed my optimism for a raw women's division. So um, again, they can easily do the same for SmackDown. So we shall continue to see. And uh, will the bloodline finally face some adversity? Um, depends if you think Drew McIntyre is adversity. You know, I, I, I think there's a very good chance of a, t- of a title change at clash at the castle. So um, that would certainly be the biggest obstacle that, you know, the, 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 the group has faced. And um they're a very strong unit, you know, and until there's like something better to, to take it over, um, I, I don't have a problem with them having all the titles. But yeah, I Muggin, you're saying, you know, there's there's not enough strong competition. I, I'd argue Brock was was like, you know, pretty strong tonight, but fresh competition, maybe. Yeah, that that is a problem that they have to work on. They have to build new challenges. Uh, Bloodline versus Judgment Day at Survivor Series, please. God, that would not be strong competition, Albert. Um the Judgment Day are like Ray Mysterio and Dominic are stronger than the Judgment Day. I mean, that should that should really be the feud at this point. Uh, okay, we got Nas who says thoroughly entertaining show. I loved it. Roman versus Brock over delivered by a mile. Best line of the night was Graves telling Michael Cole, "I liked you better when you weren't allowed to have an opinion." I laughed so hard. The commentary was so good. You know, uh, I've really missed some of these lines. So maybe maybe you guys are right. Maybe there is a bit of difference because um, I've, I've just kind of learned to tune them out. But thank you for uh, the, the notes. And we're going to end things off tonight as we approach a two-hour broadcast and a lot of great feedback from you guys. But we're going to end with perhaps the most important and the greatest of all. We go to New Jersey. And Brandon, are you here? Yeah, what's up, man? Uh <laughs> I see you doing solo. Uh, I I just wanted to shout out the show. Uh, I thought uh, this was the best show of the post McMahon era. 
I thought it was phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the best, best show in the past, like, 10 days? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought so. Uh, I thought the women that uh, uh, I thought that was pretty cool, like, all three of them came out like that. Uh, uh, like you said, like you both said earlier, like, I mean, they got they they got storylines for the next year now. Like, I think that's pretty uh pretty incredible uh what what they got going on and uh, the real test is obviously not just in them having the talent but in their booking that that is going to be the big question that we might start to get get to see answers for tomorrow night but they certainly have laid the foundation for change and, and like you said like triple h uh his hallmark is uh how uh he really uh had a keen eye for the women's division in nxt mm-hmm. and uh I, i'm i'm curious to how like you just said, like how they're going to book the women's division uh, for both. Uh, I, we're not even going to call it brands. And there's not going to be the brand split or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. For both shows, like curious how, what they're going to do with the women. Uh, uh, very, very optimistic. I think, I think uh, they have a chance to uh, <laughs> right or wrong and uh, with their, with their blank canvas and, uh, and, and do good. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully it, it turns out right. Uh <laughs> what they got going on uh that's it that's it. <laughs> oh that's like, it like I, a very normal call from you yeah like, man uh, uh, and, uh, i i also want to give you a shout out i know we won't be here for you for a while and uh <laughs> i wish you, you know how to reach me uh, yeah I, I i get i get the feeling I'll, I'll be hearing plenty from you absolutely but uh i just want to wish you your wife and then the baby good health and Thank uh, you so much positive vibes I'm out of advice. I appreciate it. Thank you, Brandon, as always. Always appreciate your contributions as as well as everybody uh, choosing to watch us right now on the YouTube. Thank you to, to everybody who's been with us and has continued to stick with us even after the post-daily news updates. John will be working his ass off, as will uh, everybody uh, who will be attached to the site, You know, especially people like uh, Andrew Thompson, who will continue to bust their ass 24-7. There are going to be so many people that are be, be helping out and continue to help throughout, throughout um, uh, everything that we do at Post Wrestling, uh, almost too numerous to mention. So uh, I encourage you guys to check out all the content and to uh, s- uh, send your feedback to them because um, we like it always helps. It's always nice to know that people are listening you know, first and foremost. So I read every piece of feedback, like every every comment that you guys leave there, even if it's not very nice, I will at least read it. And I'm at least grateful that people are pay, paying attention. So I, I will say like, if you're just, you know, out there and if you don't even want to send a super chat, just just leave a comment, send, send us a tweet responding to something, join the forums and leave some feedback, join the discord and let us know what you guys think about the show. So thank you guys. Thank you for supporting Post Wrestling. And I will talk to you guys in a month's time. Bye-bye.